It's time for the Seatown Sports Show. Here's your host, Clayton Ober. Welcome into yet another edition of the Seatown Sports Show. I'm your host, Clayton Ober. As Lucas Morty of a great introduction, you'll never guess who today's guest is. Lucas Moore himself. Lucas, how are you doing today? Pretty good. It's, uh, it should be a really good day for someone like me. Um, in terms of the NFL draft being tonight, um, when this is being recorded. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Obviously, things were a little better in January, and you'd love for everything to be up, open, and running, and normal. And, you know, the beaches here in Chicago to be open and filled, but, you know, it is what it is, and uh, all things considered, pretty good. Okay, that's fair. All right. Um, obviously, you know, the coronavirus is a serious thing and needs to be treated like one such so how it has been. Um, but let's talk sports, albeit there's really no sports going on except for, as you mentioned, the NFL draft tonight. What obviously you being a Bengals fan, you're hoping for Joe Burrow, unless someone has an aneurysm and or botches a phone call and you don't get Joe Burrow. Um, I asked you this question earlier, and you responded with, "You would not be a Bengals fan if the Bengals did not draft Joe Burrow." So let's start off with that. What what uh what did we expect from you or from the Bengals? Obviously Burrow. Um, just go into how disappointed you'd be if it wasn't Burrow. Well, I mean, it's especially after all the media reports have now come out that they have told Joe Burrow that he would be drafted. It, it is gone. I said that if they didn't draft Joe Burrow back in after the national championship game and the Heisman Trophy ceremony, that I wouldn't be a Bengals fan anymore. Um, but now that you've told Joe Burrow that you're going to draft him, now it becomes a disrespect type of thing, you know, to where if they don't draft Joe Burrow tonight or they trade the pick, um, no matter the haul they get, um, I'm out. I can't be a part of an organization that refuses to see any sort of reason because this is literally designed for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is sports destiny at its finest. And, um, you know, I'm not saying Joe Burrow's going to turn around the Cavaliers like LeBron James did or be the type of player that LeBron James won, was, and I understand, slash is, and I understand that the NBA is different than the NFL, but in terms of storyline, in terms of reviving a franchise, in terms of adding monetary value to your team, to build a new stadium, to draw new fans, to keep the team in Cincinnati, Joe Burrow is a godsend much like LeBron James was for a very highly struggling Cleveland Cavaliers franchise back in 2003. We're even seeing the same tagline that the NBA used to use for LeBron James, just a kid from Akron, for Joe Burrow, just a kid from Southeast Ohio. It's perfect, right? It is, when things line up like this, you know, I'm not a religious guy, Clayton, you know that. But I am a guy that listens to the universe. When everything lines up in a certain way, when everything seems to work, do the thing that seems that destiny is pointing you to. So the fact that a kid from Southeast Ohio who resurrected a high school program, gave them their first playoff win ever, 
Joe Burrow, then goes into college, is doubted, counted out, resurrects another program and gives them their first national championship in over a decade, becomes the greatest college player of all time, is two and a half hours away from your stadium. At the same time that you, the team in the state that needs the most fan base help, that needs the most momentum, that needs the most star power, has the number one pick handed to them, that is sports destiny at its finest. And you can't ignore that. And I refuse to root for an organization that would ignore such things like that. Add in all the intangibles for Joe Burrow, which we can go into a little bit more in depth. But, you know, I I don't want to root for a franchise or an organization that's already disappointed me a bunch that then refuses to listen to sports destiny, which is exactly what should be happening at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. Yes, obviously that should be happening, but will it happen is the question, or will the Bengals... All right, what if... All right, I was I watched draft day last night in preparation for the draft, okay? What if the... What if Miami calls, offered you the three first-round draft picks this year no. and their first no. round next year? No. You can up the offer. You can offer me the next 140 picks for the Miami Dolphins. That's their draft for the next 20 years. And I would still say no. It doesn't matter. This is not a... It just does not matter. Because look at where the Bengals organization is. This is such a layup pick that that the fan base is definitely clearly behind. This is a team... The Bengals had less people go to their games than the Chargers last year. And the Chargers play in a soccer stadium. Okay? Like, the Bengals are in a real bad state in terms of momentum as an organization, right? And when it, you can't make that pick for the simple reason you cannot have Joe Burrow win anything anywhere else. He can't, if, if they traded him to Miami and he won one playoff game, it's over. You have to move the team because this is another thing that nobody is considering. Mike Brown is a very cheap gentleman. He will never be paying for a stadium. It will need to come, just like Paul Brown Stadium did, out of the taxpayers' pockets in Cincinnati. And if you're not going to draft the kid that's two and a half hours away and you're barely able to fill the stadium, you think taxpayers are going to line up and vote yes on another new stadium deal? No. You'll have to move the team from Cincinnati, which Mike Brown, who loves his father, may Paul Brown rest in peace, would never, ever, ever want to move Bengals out of Cincinnati, and that's exactly what he would be forced to do if they don't draft Joe Burrow and he had any any sort of success. Doesn't even need to be a Hall of Fame player. Doesn't even need to be an all-pro quarterback. But if he won one, one playoff game in Cincinnati, outside of Cincinnati, that would be the end of the Cincinnati Bengals organization. They would need to loop. And that's just, you just cannot do it. It's just too easy. It's too much of a layup. He checks all the boxes. He is from Southeast Ohio, where the Bengals have really struggled, right? Because you know you're from Southeast Ohio. As a radio station, right? Remember, I worked at WATH in Athens, and I was a part of those decisions. Who are we going to put on air? The Bengals had gotten in such bad straits that WATH, that has broadcast the Bengals for the last 20 years, a Southeast Ohio station, we were really considering whether to put the Browns or the Steelers on our airwaves. And the only reason we kept the Bengals on our airwaves is because the Bengals had a better radio package for us and it made more sense as a station, not because of the amount of people that listen. 
that decision is now a layup for our radio station and all the other sports radio stations in Southeast Ohio. You have now turned a section of the state that you have lost to the Steelers, to the Browns for a very long time. By that pick tonight, you have completely taken over an entire section of your home state. And if Joe Burrow has any sort of success in Cincinnati, the Bengals will surpass the Browns for popularity like they did back in the 1980s. So this is what it's. This is what you're looking at here. This is a business thing. It's not a player thing, Clayton. It's not a picks. It's not a value. It's not a. This is a organization business decision. Bottom line with Joe Burrow. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That sounds fair enough for me. Um, but this is, this is important. Like, this is exciting. This is, you know, like you said, it'll be a moment and Joe will be in Southeast Ohio in Athens for the draft. Um, this should, this is really exciting. Um, and it should be fun. Uh, I don't know. Did you read about the, did you hear about the article? Um, what ESPN did? No, no, fill me in. Um, they sent phones to every first, every projected first round pick, they thought who they thought was going to be projected in the first round, they sent phones there that they can tap into at ESPN headquarters and be able to uh, use, like, show them in their atmosphere when they get drafted, like like you normally see. Um, however, the director has been told not to use a camera if more than ten people are in that room together. So yeah, that makes sense. It does make sense, but you're telling me a lot of these draft picks are going to have less than ten people together. I doubt it. Yeah, I, well, so I know in Joe Burrow's case, I know that who's going to be in that room will be Joe, his mother, his father, and his brothers. That's less than ten. I really doubt that anybody else. Maybe his agent is there, and I'm sure his agent will be there, and maybe one other business partner will be there. So that's still less than ten. And I think most people can manage having less than 10, at least for the on-camera appearances. Um, you know, so that, that makes sense. And you, and you understand why ESPN is doing that, because it is a current federal guideline not to have more than 10 people in any sort of combined no, space. No, I, I so, 100% understand why ESPN is doing that. Um, yeah, but I'm not going to blame these guys for having 11 people at their draft party. I really am not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with that. I'm not going to blame him either. Um, after all, why would why wouldn't you make the most of what you're given? I mean, this is a one-time opportunity here, um, and I'm excited for the draft. It'll be interesting, virtual. There will I'm I'm assuming there will be a hiccup or two. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. <coughs> but yeah. Um, I'm definitely, I, so I, I've been looking at a couple of mock drafts from one guy, well, one I've never actually, uh, heard of the guy. Um, hold on, let me figure out who this guy is. Uh, maybe I have. Uh, do, 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 do. Josh Edwards, okay, I have heard of him. I'm looking at his mock draft, and I'm looking at good old Mel Kiefer Jr. I'm a big Mel guy, so I like, I like what he has to say. He has an interesting draft, though. Um, he is Tua going sits to the Chargers with Justin Herbert going five to the Dolphins. 
Now, you know how much Tua has been rumored to the Dolphins. Um, but suddenly Herbert picked up steam as of late. Um, obviously that, that, that'll be, you're looking for a franchise quarterback. Who are, who are you choosing if you're the Dolphins and Tua and who, and, uh, Herbert are there together? Uh, I think Tua is a much better prospect than Justin Herbert is. Um, I don't, I wouldn't pick Justin Herbert in the first round if I were a general manager. Okay. Because at the. At the quarterback position, I like to have certain rules, right? You need to have a certain level of focus. You need to have a certain level of football intelligence. You need to have a certain level of big gameness. You know, you need to be able to show up in big situations at least through your college career. Because if you can't show up in big games in your college career, you're not going to show up in big games in your NFL career. Now, big games is really relative, right? So at Ohio University, some would say Nathan Rourke never had a big game, but six touchdowns against Miami on Halloween, to me, that's showing up in a big game in a big moment. I right? I, I and, agree with that statement. That clearly is a big yeah. game. And... Yeah, for, for Nathan Rourke at that time, that's a big game. Now, Justin Herbert showed up in the Rose Bowl. He looked pretty good. But when I read his scouting reports and when I watch the kid, I'm, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing well, the thing he's worst at is anticipating throws. Uh, that's a big, big thing he's worst at. I, I'm also reading, seems like he checks out of some games. You can't check out. If you're checking out at Oregon, like you cannot check out if you're an NFL player. You can't check out if you're my quarterback, if you're my first-round quarterback. Now, second-round pick, big arm, right, huge train comes out of his hand like a dream, can move, can easily be Josh Allen in the NFL, effective pretty quickly. Not necessarily the best in the league, but not the worst, certainly. Yeah, that's a second-round quarterback to me. That's a guy that could definitely be a starter in the NFL. But if I'm going to spend a first-round pick, specifically if you have Tua Tagovailoa right there as well, you cannot have those bad weaknesses you cannot have lack of football intelligence doesn't seem to understand or make the correct decision on the football field seems to check out of some games seems to not show up in big moments you're off my list for the first round guaranteed i don't care how fast you are i don't care how strong you are i don't care how good you throw it because those are requisite skills to be a nfl caliber all pro quarterback and that's what you're trying to draft in the first round. You're trying to draft a guy who can be the face of your franchise for the next 10 to 15 years, not just a starter who can take you to the wild card round like a Josh Allen. Okay. Um, Nets, my next thing I want to talk about is uh, me being a Browns fan, um, what the Browns are going to do with their pick, having the 10th overall pick. By the way, thank you, Bengals, for the 10th overall pick. Um, we would have been 16th had we not lost you. So that loss didn't really bother me that much. We we gained six spots, and we're already out of the playoffs. So it was kind of, you know, it would have been a pointless win anyways. But thank you for that. Um, but I've seen multiple. I There's one guy I want at 10. If we are picking 10 and not making a trade, it's Andrew Thomas. You know why? The last... Offensive lineman 
with the last name Thomas panned out fairly well for the Cleveland Browns. I'll say that much. Yeah. I mean, I really, I think Andrew Thomas is my favorite tackle in the draft if he lands in the right situation. And the worry with Cleveland is always if they're the right situation, you know, for these type of players. Joe Thomas was the utmost professional, was really refined when he came into the league. And Andrew Thomas, he has a little bit of worry there in terms of being able to be refined. But that doesn't mean I don't think he would be a great offensive tackle in Cleveland. I mean, that's a slight worry for me, maybe. But I think Andrew Thomas would be a great pick if he's available. I've seen him going in the top five. I've seen him falling all the way past the Browns at 13. But if I'm the Cleveland Browns and Isaiah Simmons is on the board, and I'm able to somehow trade for a tackle, Mm-hmm. I would much rather so, do that than bring in a rookie tackle because so, Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons is the exact player you're going to need in the AFC North for the next ten years because Lamar Jackson is going to be roaming this division at least for the next four, and then we'll see how his injuries play out and how he continues to develop. But the only reason that I'm not going out on a limb and saying a Joe Burrow-led Bengals should win the AFC North, I'm not saying that right now. What I'm saying is it requires a Lamar Jackson injury for the Bengals to win the AFC North. It's because they don't have a single linebacker that can run down Lamar Jackson. And that's the (laughs) only way you're stopping that guy. You need fast, athletic, good tackling linebackers. That's what you need to slow down at least Lamar Jackson. Because if you have a linebacking court like the Bengals did, go look at Lamar Jackson's numbers the two times he played the Bengals. And go look at his numbers every time he played a weak linebacking court. If you don't have good linebackers, you are smoked against Lamar Jackson. Um, so if, if Isaiah Simmons is available, and I could really care less about who is currently on the Browns roster in terms of linebacker, they aren't as good as Isaiah Simmons is about to be in the NFL. So if he's available to you, I would take him and then try to find a so, tackle either elsewhere in the draft or trade for so I So it sounds like your dream scenario for the Browns would be draft Isaiah Simmons and then possibly trade for Trent Williams from Washington. Yeah, I think that would be really good um, for the Cleveland Browns. I like Trent Williams. I was hoping kind of the Bengals would get him, um, but they spent some money, and uh, you know I'd be comfortable if the Bengals didn't end up with Trent Williams. But that would be a really good move for the Cleveland Browns. Um, so I've heard Isaiah. I, I, you you go on. Well, I just I think it fits the needs to win your division. That's all you're trying to do in football is win your division, and then you can worry about the playoffs later. So if you're trying to win the AFC North right now, you need good linebackers. Bottom line, because um, Lamar Jackson's going to run for 130 yards on you if you don't. Um, so if if the Browns have a chance to get an elite linebacker. And Isaiah Simmons, I think that's a really good pick. And the Browns let two Pro Bowl linebackers walk this offseason, so they really need linebacking help right now. So another, even a more valid point to why they need a linebacker, or that would be a smart pick. Now, I've seen him going from, I've heard the range for Isaiah Simmons is 7 to 12, somewhere in that range. Um, I've looked at two, I've looked at, uh, Two mock drafts and Isaiah Simmons in one goes seven, and in the other goes fourth. Um, so that yeah, I've seen him fall to ten to the Browns. I've seen him. I've seen him down at thirteen some, which I think is just not going to happen. It's mm-hmm. too good. 
Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, one thing I thought was interesting from uh, Todd Mache's, uh mock draft is uh, he has Jordan Love going sits to the Chargers. So I've had that's the highest I've heard Jordan Love's name. I've seen I had. Another mod draft had Jordan Love going 17 to the Patriots after they traded up with Dallas. So Yeah, well, I think Jordan Love, honestly, Jordan Love and Justin Herbert are the same prospect to me. Um, I think they'll need as much, they both will need as much work. Now, Herbert has a skill set that you can run him out there on an NFL field, and he can do what Josh Allen does, which is win some games, right? But they're just as much of a project to get them to an NFL <laughs> franchise quarterback. I think Jordan Love would be a savvy late first-round pick if you have a quarterback and you can sit him and he can develop like New Orleans or New England, you know, somewhere. But I don't, I don't think New England's going to do that. I think New England is going to take a sniff if they can get Tua. And if Tua's not on the board for them, in terms of being able to trade with the Lions up to three, or if Tua keeps falling, jumping up there. If Tua's not on the board for them, then I, I think the Patriots are going to stay out of the quarterback market and either trade for Andy Dalton or stick with Jared Stidham this year and then try to use all these picks to go get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields um, in next year's draft. I don't think Bill Belichick's in any sort of rush um, to find a, an emergency quarterback replacement I don't think they're going to take a risk on Jordan Love in the first round. Maybe Tua. Maybe Tua. Um, but I could be wrong. We'll, we'll see what the Patriots do. It's a new era in New England. Yeah, that'll be very interesting to see what they do. Will they jump up? Will they Will they stay back? What What pick do they even have? Uh, 23rd. So they have the 23rd pick. Um, that would be interesting to see what, what exactly they do tonight. Um, because, like you said, we don't know what New England's trying to do right now. Obviously, they're trying to rebuild, but it's not a full-scale rebuild, really. I mean, you still have some weapons there. Uh, defense, you, you let some guys walk, but, you know, for the most part, you kept your core there. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do exactly with the quarterback position and how they value it for this season. Yeah, I think New England's okay with a one-year downturn. I think they understand that you're not going to win the short-term argument. Belichick understands that you're not going to win the short-term argument that Brady needed you. Because I think Brady's going to have some success this year in Tampa Bay. And I just, I don't think Belichick, I think Belichick has a five-year plan to get back to winning Super Bowls. Um, I'm not sure he's too worried about this season. I think he'd be okay if they were 8-8, 9-7. Um, seven and nine, somewhere around there. I don't think he would be extremely upset about that. And then when the AFC East, nine and seven might get it done. Now, you really never know. Um, and, and Belichick can usually scheme a way to get a few wins. So I don't think he's going to be in any sort of rush. And I've heard good things about Jared Stidham. Um, I really have. And maybe they're, they're just willing to give him a shot. Um, but New England, it's a really interesting situation and in how they operate and how Bill Belichick operates. Um, is one of the more intriguing portions of the draft because it's such a new era for a team that has been such a dominant dynasty for a very long time. Yeah, that is that'll be weird. And I honestly, I don't know if Belichick lasts another five years with the Patriots. I think Belichick's going to leave the Patriots when he wants to leave the Patriots, but 
Well, I, I would I would agree with that, but I just I don't know. I feel like he's you know losing Brady. I mean, I guess he does want to prove that he can win without Brady, but that'll be interesting to see there. Um, I've also seen some trade offers where uh, trying to trade up to get Chase Young um, second. He'll either go second or third, is believed with uh, for the most part. Um, you gotta think. Uh, Okuda, uh, this mock draft, which is uh, Josh Edwards, has Okuda going to five to Detroit, which makes sense if they trade down with Miami. That's if they trade with Miami for Tua. Um, another thing I'd like to report, or I don't know if you heard about, Todd Mitchay's not going to be a part of the broadcast. Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. Um, he is recovering from the coronavirus, actually. Um, and he sent, this was posted at 1.43 today, um, that he's recovering from the coronavirus and is not part of the draft. However, and not trying to make this sound mean at all or anything like that, one of our least favorite broadcasters is a part of the draft. Any guess? I don't know why they put Booger on there. Yes, sir. Burger McFarland. Well, no, he's got a decent voice. In a draft situation, I think he'd be all right. Okay. Draft um, Because it's a little more, like, draft, you're a little more prepared. You know what you're going to say. You've thought about it, right? In, mm-hmm. in, in color commentating in a game is so different. Because you have to evaluate the last play, make a decision about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Booger just... He had a bunch of moments throughout the year where he was saying the wrong thing that the team should be doing at the time. Um, and I don't think he'll make those mistakes at the draft. But we'll see. Okay. I'm just excited that there's any sort of live sports right now yeah. is what I'm most excited for. Yeah, I uh, I actually watched part of that WNBA draft the other or last week when it was on. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for this and the finally get something that we can watch um abc espn nfl network you know all working together um that should be fun um seeing them working together i'm interested how the obviously you don't have a lot of people in the truck um but it's interesting to see how they connect all the feeds together you know and how good quality are they going to be with them being iphones and stuff like that um, not saying iPhones aren't the best quality, but you know, it's not, there's other options out there you could do. Um, but what are your thoughts, what are your thoughts on the draft and how they're running it? Well, if they pull it off, it could really change broadcasting. Um, you know, in, in situations like this, when you're forced to adapt, Sometimes you realize that the adaptions you're making are actually smarter and more efficient way to do something. Um, so I think there's going to be some technologies where they're like, man, this is actually really easy on the iPhone. And ESPN might be like, listen, we're going to save some money on these $70,000 HD lenses and you know, move a little bit more in that direction of shooting off iPhones. I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but I'm saying like innovations that we aren't even really thinking of, that they are then forced to use because of the situation they're put into, those innovations could actually 
find its way back when we are in normal times um, because they're shown to be more efficient, more cost-effective, and actually pretty high quality. Um, and that's usually how changes come about. Um, so it's going to be it's a really interesting time. Like the same thing in terms of how the sports are structured. Right? Baseball has an opportunity here to try out a shorter season. How does it work? The NBA has an opportunity to try a play-in tournament. How does that work? You know, I, we've heard sites of a Major League Baseball neutral site World Series. How does that work? Is that something they would pursue in the future? Um, so there's, you get a chance to try things in a crisis. There's an old political saying, never let a good crisis go to waste. Um, now, that is a very dirty politics saying, but it has its truth in a lot of ways in terms of when when stuff goes crazy and it all hits the fan, everybody's got to make decisions. Everybody's got to find a way to find their way. And when things happen, you're given an opportunity to change, to shift, to adjust, to move forward, to step back. And the smartest people in the world, they all do that. And they find ways to come out of this better in some sort of way. Um, and that's why we as individuals, we should take that very cynical saying of never let a good crisis go to waste, which is in terms of politicians acquiring more votes because people are in distress, and use it in a positive way. And never let a good crisis go to waste in terms of show your resiliency by how you respond during times of national distress um try to find a way to be above the wave and that's really difficult for a lot of people and i understand that um but if, if you're able to somehow bounce back be nimble find a way um you can only come through it stronger um and i think that that's where we're at in this type of crisis 26 million people unemployed you know thousands upon thousands of people dying um you know we all have our choices to make we all have our ways to respond we have all a responsibility to try to become better humans by the end of all this. And I think through that attitude is the way that sports can change and sports broadcasting can change. And then once you get in the wider society, all those things can change in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, this is, these are some tried times right now and it's, you gotta get out of them. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta, you know, I, you're not supposed to go out and, you know, obviously you can walk do stuff like that. But um, these are definitely trying times and trying to get people to, together and stuff like that. I mean, that's just been hard in, in general, just trying to get, you know, whether, like, like I said earlier, I, I was helping an uncle out with a Zoom call earlier that we're doing this weekend for uh, my family, um, which is good. Like, I was like, yeah, like, we got to get this figured out and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, Zoom's taking off right now. Um Obviously, it was something before, but it's getting even bigger now. FaceTime, stuff like that. It's, it's good just to talk to people straight up and uh, just just have someone to talk to like that, um, which is fun. Um, but at the same time, you got to keep your social distancing. As much as you don't want to, you have to. So there's that. But um, back to the sports talk. Um, this is a really... Uh, Really hard time right now not having sports. Wouldn't you agree, Lucas? Yeah, obviously. It's the first time in my life. Um, you know, what I've always said is that sports has kind of defined my life calendar, right? So when you talk about the 28-3 to comeback with the Patriots and the Falcons, 
Mm-hmm. That's how I remember what I was doing, who I was with, who my friends were, where I was. I know that that was my freshman year at Ohio University, and it was in the spring semester. I know exactly where I sat, my dorm room. I remember exactly what I looked, what it looked like, because I had the sporting event to remember, and you remember all the subsequent details because of that. You know, I remember where I was when the USA failed to qualify for the World Cup. I remember where I was and what I was doing when the Bengals lost a playoff game in 2015. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I remember right. that one. Exactly, right? It sets the calendar of a sports fan's life. Mm-hmm. This happens then. I remember these things because this happened then. And it's just a nice way to track everything. And that's been thrown out of the window. So, right? It just doesn't feel like late April. Normally, there's a bunch of other things happening in the lead-up, because my birthday's in late April. Normally, there's a bunch of other things happening in the lead-up to my birthday. And the only thing that's similar is the NFL draft. Normally, there's really big soccer matches on. Normally, there's really big baseball games, and I'm really excited about Reds baseball. Even if they're bad, I'm still excited about it. I'm still into it. I'm still watching it. You know, there's MLS games that I'm usually following on at this time. And all that has completely changed. It's completely different. So it is truly the most unique month of April me as an individual has ever experienced in terms of just how my life is and what I'm watching and what I'm consuming and what I'm thinking about. Um, it's crazy. It's unprecedented. Yeah, that, that it definitely sounds like that. Uh, do, by the way, do you remember where you were when you found out that Kobe died? Yeah, I was here in Chicago. Okay. Um, I was in my living room. I was I was and with my, uh, Keep going. I was uh, my girlfriend was like, "Oh, uh, Kobe died." I was like, "Oh, what source is that? No way." And then she said it was TMZ. I was like, "Oh, wait a minute." And then you know you find out. You watch all the videos, and I actually I got real lucky. I found a Sports Illustrated before all this went down, and the remembering Kobe edition. That's something I'll always keep. Um, yeah, I'll remember where I was for that forever. I was for sure. I was with uh, our friend Thomas Garbrick at his apartment in Athens. We were uh, getting ready to play some uh, MLB The Show, and a friend texted him that Kobe had died. And he was like, "What?" He's like, "Kobe just died." I was like, "What?" I was like, "That can't be true." Like, what? Like, you know, it's Kobe. He's he's gonna live forever, or, or at least a lot longer than this. Yeah, and it's crazy because he's the first NBA legend that we all know of and saw that that has died. You know, we have NFL players that have died in our lifetime, like Junior <laughs> Seau, right? There's been great Major League Baseball players that have died um, while we've been here. But, like, NBA stars, like Kareem is still kicking it. You know, Magic Johnson, who had AIDS, is still alive. So it was just truly shocking. It did, the NBA guys felt immoral, you know. So it was like it was unbelievable. It was it was one of the most trying things I've ever really experienced in terms. It was the first celebrity death. My mom always told me this story. She'd always told me the story about Princess Diana, and she found out Princess Diana died as she was about to tell my grandmother, her mother, that she was pregnant with me. And before she could get that out, my grandmother was like, Princess Diana just died. And instead of talking about my upcoming birth, it had affected them so much 
that they sat there and cried. And I never understood that. I said, you don't know Princess Diana. You're not even British. Like, I'm, I don't really understand that. And Kobe Bryant was the first time that I truly understood what my mom meant by that. Um, because I sat there and I really did cry. You know, I pulled up the old Dear Basketball video. I watched it and... Man, if I turn that video on right now, I'm thinking about the words in it. If I turn on that video right now, I will be moved to tears. Um, so I finally understood why celebrity deaths really matter to some people um, and really can affect you emotionally. And it was the first time I'd ever experienced that and understood that was was the Kobe Bryant pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a trying time. And who would have thought the world would fall apart when Kobe dies? But we found that out. Real quick. He was the glue holding this world together. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, but yeah, man, this NFL draft going on, it should be... I want it to be fun. I'm excited to see how they're going to do it because they're all one... See, here's what I'm confused about. Are they all together or is it one broadcast going out on three stations? Because... When I read the Todd McShay thing a minute ago, um, it talks about how he was supposed to be with Mel Kiper Jr. and Trey Wingo and was scheduled to be a part of the ABC broadcast this year. Now, I don't want to have to flip channels to hear from different experts. I want them all to be on the same channel. Now, whether that'll be, I guess not. Apparently, they're all having their own broadcast. That This is what I'm very confused about. Um... But we'll just have to wait and see at 8 o'clock what happens when it, when the dominoes start to fall. And Do you think trades will be up this year, down? What do you, what do you think from that part? You mean trades? Yeah, yeah in the draft. Yeah. In the draft. In the draft. Uh, I don't know. This is such a I don't know year. I think that we can assume that teams will be a little more conservative because they have less information to go off of. You know, in terms of who you're going to draft, you might stick a little more to the consensus pick. Um, like Daniel Jones. I don't know if Daniel Jones goes as high this year as he would have last year because it was really the all the entire draft process in full that sold the Giants on drafting Daniel Jones so high. Now, that ended up really working out for the Giants, at least it appears. Um a lot of teams, I think, are going to be saved from themselves because they're not going to be able to overthink these picks because they had a really good face-to-face meeting with him, and I saw it in his eyes, and I really believe in him. You know, I don't think you're going to make as many mistakes there, but your guess is as good as mine in terms of trades, in terms of movement, in terms of risks, in terms of how team, how comfortable teams are. Um, I would be more conservative as a GM. I'd be like, listen. We have less information to go on. Let's just make our picks. Let's make them good. Um, you know, let's focus more on the game tape. Focus on what's really more important. Let's simplify this for us. You know, let's not try to get fancy and lose tonight. You know, let's just make our pick. Um, but that's more how I'd operate. There are some GMs who might see this as an opportunity to be more aggressive. Um, but we'll see. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's unique. I'm, like, I'm excited for it. I've never been this excited for a draft. Yeah, I know. This This is going to be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. Like you said, there's nothing else to watch. But 
a draft. So with that, we're going to wrap it up on this edition of the Seatown Sports Show. Oh, I'm, hold on, Clayton. I what? got one thing for you. Oh, no. All right. All right. Well, apparently I'm, we're not wrapping up. What's your one thing for you? Listen, I'm just going to – I'm just telling you right now, you need to get ready. You need to get ready for Joe Burrow to beat the crap out of the Browns for the next 15 years because he is going to dominate the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield will look like a shriveled-up – form of a Heisman Trophy winner every time he plays Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to beat the Browns so many times over the next 15 years. He's going to beat them so badly over the next 15 years that you're going to go through another 26 quarterbacks. I just want you to know that that's about to happen over the next 15 years. Because although the media likes to pretend that the Browns are a better organization than the Bengals, they are not in any sense. They are on another new head coach. And their cross-state rival just drafted the better, you know, better swagger Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. And the taller one, too. So, just get ready for that. Okay, thank you for that, Lucas. We really needed that. Uh, That was a nice minute and (laughs) 30-second spiel on Joe Burrow pounding the Browns. Can't say I would expect anything less from you. Um, but I believe he will struggle. He's not. He's not going to dominate every year. He's not going to be Big Ben in the Steelers every year. Um, if he Why is, we'll, hey, hey, if he is, we'll just send Miles Garrett after him. <laughs> uh, Joe Burrow is not scared of Miles Garrett. No way. But this is why, real quick. This is why, as a Bengals fan, I really, especially Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow has proven he's not scared of anybody, right? His first ever start at LSU, he goes up to the biggest guy on the University of Miami's team. He taps him on the back and says, hey, I'll be wearing nine. Come find me. He's not scared. And what Bengals quarterbacks for a very long time have been is scared. They pee down their leg every time they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every time the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the field, every Bengals player and every Bengals coach and every Bengals fan is just like, oh, crap, we're playing the Steelers. Joe Burrow's not scared of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's not scared of the terrible towels. He's not scared of Heinz Field. He's not scared of their six Super Bowls. He's going to walk in, and he's going to be the first Bengals quarterback to start consistently beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is really what's been missing from the Cincinnati Bengals over the last 15 years. Because if, if, if they beat the Steelers more over the last 15 years, they probably have, well, one, they have two playoff wins, and they have three more division titles and five more playoff appearances. The Steelers have been what has prevented the Bengals from reaching that next year of success, and Joe Burrow's finally the quarterback that won't be scared of Pittsburgh and actually has a real distaste for the Steelers dating back to his childhood. There's some rumors going around that he's a big Bengals fan. That wasn't really true. He just disliked the Steelers, hated the Steelers his entire life. We finally got the Steeler beater. We got the Steeler eater. It's coming. Everybody get ready. The AFC North is not ready for what's about to happen to them. Oh, my God. Well, that's something right there. I'll tell you that much. It should be fun. Um, obviously, a lot a lot to happen tonight, and I kind of want to be with you if uh, Joe Burrow is not called by the Bengals tonight to see that reaction. Um, I can't... I'm going to need to call the fire department because I'm going to light a uniform on fire. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll we'll put Jess up to that. She'll be the one with the uniform or with the with the fire extinguisher nearby. Um, but yeah, this should be exciting. I'm excited for it. It should be a fun time. Um, check out the NFL draft tonight at eight o'clock. For the, can we end it now, Lucas? Are we good? You got everything out? Yeah, I'm good. All right. For this episode of the Sea Town Sports Show. Presented by 1622 Entertainment. I'm Clayton Ober for Lucas Moore. And you know what? We'll give him a bir- uh, early birthday shout out on here. Happy early birthday, Lucas. Thanks for joining us Thank today. You, until until next Thank time. You.